Hello and welcome to the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by no one. Um, today's first guest will be Catherine Cross. She has a master's in psychology and has been working in non-for-profit youth development in various roles for over 10 years. She's a writer, game master, a geek who runs two meetups, a Greek a geek group called Geeks United and a medieval fantasy group. Welcome, Catherine. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. good Did day. you enjoy the rain that fell yesterday? Oh, I loved it so much. Like I grew up in California, the desert. <laughs> so when there's rain, I'm like, yes, rain is beautiful. It's wonderful. So I enjoyed it. Um, Sweet. Yeah. It kind of caught me off guard. Um, yesterday I told you that I at least got on the trails before it started raining. So that was yeah. pretty nice. So you missed the rain? Mm, I don't miss it, but I enjoy it here and there. Um, because I don't know if I ever told you this, but I ride the mountain bike. Oh, cool. Yeah. So um, I like to ride when um, it's not too wet outside because you slide around all, all over the place. But yeah, the amount we got yesterday and the amount of time that we had for it to dry, I think it will be like nice and moist for me to maneuver around because you don't want it to be all muddy afterwards. Yeah, no. I've never done mountain biking, but I've taken a bike and I've gone around the hills and <laughs> rode my bike with um, oh. um, some decent success when I was younger and um, not some success where we hit a hill and I was like, I can't do it. I was trying to pedal and my friend was like, you got it. And somehow we end up by someone's house and they're laughing. I was like, nice <laughs> laugh at some kids trying to ride their bike. Great. <laughs> uh, well, we got up and then onto a regular path. But yeah, it's the closest I've gotten to mountain biking. And sounds a little dangerous. Yeah, I heard it could be. Now, when you say hills, are you talking about those hills that they refer to in California all the time? Probably. Or are you not. just talking about regular <laughs> hills? I'm talking about some regular hills, oh. hiking hills. Um, I'm, I'm not that familiar with like your area to be like, like these hills. Uh, definitely not like, like, you know, we just moved from New York. So definitely more hilly than New York ever sees. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a nice little area. Oh, uh, what part of New York <laughs> are you are you coming out of? Uh, Queens. Oh, what was that experience yeah. like, and how long have you lived there? So I moved to New York to do my master's, and I lived in Manhattan for two years, and I loved it. Like to be in the heart of the city, where you, you step out your doorstep, and there's anything you can imagine, and the people are gorgeous. <laughs> I've never seen so many pretty people in my life. Um, it was just amazing. It was always so much to do, and you could just jump on the subway and go down to up downtown, uptown, and it was great. But then when I was done, I, you know, Manhattan is expensive. I ended up moving to Queens and that was nice. Um, it was kind of considered more Queens hybrid, Long Island area-ish. And it was nice. It wasn't my favorite. Um, and still just a lot of people. See, now you still have a lot of people like Manhattan has, but less the glamour and the glitz and the fun. Um, so I was like, I'm good. I'm ready to leave. And it's hard though, when you start getting like job opportunities, you make friends, you have a life, you're not like, yes. So um, that's what kept me there for, I think I was there for a little under 10 years. And then recently moved to North Carolina with, you know, when everything shut down and life changed for everybody, we decided to change a little bit more and move down to North Carolina. I see. Yeah, I, I've been to New York once. Uh, I drove through the, I guess, the main line of Times Square with all the lights and yeah. it was pretty great it was I imagine living there is do you get used to it or do you, is it a new experience every time you walk out I guess when I was living there for two years I it was just always something new and I think it was in New York they say if you went to a new restaurant every single day for every meal even it would take you a couple of years to hit all the restaurants wow pre-COVID so it's always something to explore and pop-ups and new businesses and new events and like um always something new to do 
from I know I didn't make it to this but my friend went to like a maid cafe I went to a lantern festival um there's like gaming expos conventions there's always something and you can see it's also very pricey <laughs> um and I love Broadway Broadway is amazing I saw as many shows as I could um so it's a lot to do and so something so magical about Manhattan but right. if you're gonna if you're an average person you're gonna be living in a closet with 16 other people <laughs> um yeah that's that's the price unless you have a lot of money and you can get yourself a nice apartment and still that's like a little bit bigger than a closet <laughs> right any um, memorable place that you to this day you're like oh i want to go see that again oh yeah we have we have our favorite sangria place and i think it's called sangria 86 and we jumped in there one day it was we uh my husband took me for my birthday out to eat into a play i think we saw beetle juice and we, we randomly picked this place to like get some drinks and whatever. And the sangria was so good. And our bartender, who we saw several times before we moved, uh, before everything shut down, was just charismatic and friendly and had stories and great. And it was just, we brought our friends. That was fantastic. I went also, um, they do a shopping center thing at Christmas time. And which is walking distance from our sangria place. <laughs> um, and that was always a fun yearly thing. If you're into geeky things, there's um, a big geek store that I used to do events at. I'd, we all come, go to the store, go out to eat. So, so many fond memories. I could go on and on about great places you need to check out all of them. And unfortunately, my heart's a little sad because I don't know uh, what's still around now after everything's said and done. But there right. used to be some great places. You ever think of going back or are you still getting used to this place and there's so many new things that you're like not really thinking about New York anymore? Um, I would well, I have a lot of friends who I miss so so dear so much that um that we're definitely going back at some point to see them and you know it's not that long of a drive. Um, but I would never move back if I was to move would be to California or to Florida. Like I need Disney somewhere in my life. Yeah. Um, have so, you ever been to Disneyland or Disney World? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Disneyland has a strong place in my heart and my family. Uh, my grandfather used to own two shops in Disneyland when they were individually owned. He owned a leather shop and he owned a magic shop. And my grandfather was this charismatic, bigger than life person, great magician, actually helped found one of the big uh, magician groups in California. And he unexpectedly passed away when my dad was like nine. And oh, so, that. yeah, my, um, my grandmother kind of took over the shop as long as she could, but they knew they met Walt Disney. They, um, wow. he had come in the shops, you know, um, they honored my grandfather when he passed different ways to the, to, to his kids at the time. And so we, I grew up like an hour away from Disney. I went all the time and with, the family has the ties there. It always meant a lot. And it was always just part of my upbringing. So I recently went to Disney World. Wonderful. Love it. Um, but Disneyland will always have that special extra place in my heart. Have oh, um, you been to either one? I've been to Disney World when I was like six or seven. And I remember it was so eye-opening to see all these new attractions and I went, one vivid memory I have is there was this 3D theater that we'd go in and mm -hmm. we got these, at that time, I don't think they even had 3D out. No, they definitely didn't have 3D glasses out in movie theaters. So they gave us these goggles and we watched um, this action movie. I think it was like Terminator. And I, okay. <laughs> to this day, I can still remember like the bullets flying at me and the car explosions and it was a great experience I really miss it and enjoyed it and one day I hope to have kids of my own and go and give them the same experience I got Aww. and yeah yeah I definitely recommend go enjoy we went to Disney World right when we moved to North Carolina we didn't have jobs we had nothing going on we're like let's do a quick trip quick trip 
So I was able to Disney World for the first time um, last year. And it was nice. And hopefully you get the chance to, you know, one day give that experience to your kids. Um, or if you ever want to just go, I, I, I always recommend, <laughs> well, go enjoy it. It's fun. It's all ages. <laughs> right. Um, so. So what was living in California like? I've visited once. I've been to LA. I've been to um, San Francisco. Last time I went to San Francisco, it was just, it was cold. And I, before going, I thought, um, I don't need a hoodie. I don't need a jacket. It's, you know, California. I heard it's warm there all year round. I went there and I almost bought a winter jacket. So when they say it's warm year round, they're talking about Southern California when like our winters are like 50 degrees, the flip weather year round. Um, I'm from Southern California. I've not really, I've not even been to San Fran, haven't made it that far, um, but Northern, you know, higher you go, colder it gets, but it's nice. I always liked it. It's more spacious than like say New York, uh, but still a lot to do. Um, lots going on probably more so than other states i like to think you have beautiful cities like san diego um and you know malibu and santa barbara and it's just a nice place and i it's my home so it's great and i always think the beaches are better in california than i have seen anywhere else so far um that's very limited except when i went to puerto rico those beaches some of them are gorgeous but the you know regular beaches around i think california kind of beats out new york and so far north carolina and south carolina so are you a beach person mm, yeah i love the ocean um whenever i have a chance i swim in the ocean for hours uh, uh, for a small portion of my life i was living in hawaii Ooh. so over there i'd swim in the ocean quite often and yeah, I really the, loved it. The, those beaches take it all. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to, you know, put down the other other beaches I've been to in the states, but their their beaches are pretty nice. White oh, sand a, and clear waters. Oh, that's that sounds beautiful. Do you have like a top favorite place you traveled to or lived? Do you seem to have been mm. um, many places? My all-time favorite place that I've been to and experienced would probably be Maui, Hawaii. Mm. And not a lot of people know that there's, but there's multiple islands when they refer to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And the most commercialized one is, of course, Oahu, which is which is which has Honolulu, Waikiki. But mm -hmm. I went to the to the a little bit southern one called Maui. Um, it's one of the smaller ones, uh, and I lived there for about a year, two years, and yeah, I lived it up. I actually, when I was there, um, one of my friends kept telling one of my friends kept telling me, "Hey, you should uh, just write music." And I was like, for about ten years, I I played the guitar on and off, only practicing the few like four or five chords that I know and never yeah. <laughs> never really developing like further and always so in my mind I always had this doubt like oh there's no way there's people that's that started when they're five years old they know like all the chords that exist what can I possibly do and my friends just kept pursuing like persuading me like hey you should just yeah. write whatever that comes to mind so one day, like months pass, and one day I have I had nothing to do in Hawaii. I was just I was driving around the cliff, looking at the ocean, the view, and I was like, hey, maybe I should just start writing. So I just wrote my environment, the my surroundings, what I saw, the blue waters. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my first line would be something like, oh, you have, you're so beautiful or you have beautiful eyes. And this is all coming from or based off of my visual perception of, you know, what I see in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, two words became a sentence, a sentence became like a verse. And then I learned what a hook is. And from there, I just kept writing and writing, getting inspired by my environment. And now I am pursuing music. Um, I have a few songs written and now I'm writing a book and I have a soundtrack for that book. And oh, yeah, wonderful. everything is, I really found what I believe in destiny. And I believe mm-hmm. that everyone should find what that is and what that means to them. I don't believe that you should follow the path that is taught to you or shown to you or available to you, but follow the destiny that's within. Um, yeah, I believe in that a lot. And we're destined, we're, everyone's destined for something. And I just really hope that everyone takes a little bit of time just to find what that is. Because for me, I didn't know what I was going to do for the past 25, 26 years. It was everything all started when I decided to buy that plane ticket that was on sale for $240. <laughs> and that was the plane ticket to Hawaii and everything started when I left my comfort zone and yeah I people say like my friends and family they say wow you took a really long trip and spent all your money that you saved up and you know borrowed money and they say like why do you why did you take such a big risk and I say well I got so much out of it I got I got meaning out of it and purpose out of it and yeah one day I may I mean I looking back now I may have lost money but I've gained so much that it's so minuscule compared to what I gained and what I can turn that experience into it sounds like you had a life-changing moment and and those are rare and so valuable yes very life-changing if I didn't take that trip if I didn't go it was July 4th of 2017. If I didn't go okay. then, I probably would have wasted more time and more of my life doing meaning, meaningless things that was available to me here and at that moment in time. Yeah. I mean, I shout out to your friends. You're like, like you got to do it. You got to pursue it. Those people. Yeah. Like <laughs> so important. <laughs> Yeah, my my friend named Lewis, he was like, just write whatever comes to mind, anything, just anything. And he he like, he was kind of frustrated that I was so in doubt of myself. And he just said anything, write anything. Yeah, that's (laughs) where you're going to start. You you just got to like, write, and then you can edit, or you can rewrite, you can change course, you just, whatever, whether it's music, poetry, script, just you got to create, you got to start somewhere, art. Yeah and um build from there and it's hard though not to get in your head and be like like you're like you said people have been starting since they were five you know um but everyone has a voice everyone has something to say and express and I feel like if you can tap into um I just feel like that kind of universal humanness and that's what can really draw people in and anyone can do that anytime if they're open and willing to kind of connect on that level Right. Even throughout the process, my, I had another friend named Yvonne and he was actually supposed to come on today, but he kind of flaked on me at the last minute, which is fine. (laughs) But uh, yeah, even he, like, I was so doubtful. It, It wasn't until like maybe a year in because, so I've been writing for about like two years now, probably. Yeah. Like two years. And it's not until just maybe a few months ago that like after a year and a half of writing and contemplating, it took that long for me to lose at least just half of the doubts that I had. Because in the beginning, I had to have my friend like Yvonne just tell me, hey, um, I hear something. You, I think you can do it. Uh, well, I know you can do it. Keep doing it. Keep writing. And I was 
it wasn't until like a year and a half where all the doubt went away and I was kind of now I kind of trust myself and I have faith in myself like you know what I think I can make something out of this but it took a while for that doubt to go away yeah <laughs> I mean I, I, I can speak on that for myself I know that doubt can always still be there with whatever project I'm working on I'm like what if it doesn't work like you know um, today you and I were discussing my medieval group and we're new and I'm like what if it totally fails at the beginning when we started posting things like I said we did online events and no one showed yeah. up can and you go, speak a little bit about that like the kingdom and yeah your background the, your history in it and so um we're performing a group a medieval group a medieval fantasy group to be exact where we're going to come together and kind of create a kingdom and it's, a little bit LARPing, not so much, a little bit of Renaissance Fair, kind of hybrid with um, a lot of medieval activities from fighting, performances, art, even the food. Um, and for those who are interested in mead. <laughs> um, and, you know, to have a kingdom of people. So we worked on the lore and the lore is basically the kingdoms called the mystic realm of Kata from small wings um, grow to um, large beginnings or something. So I don't know, it's, it's quite unsure, but the lore goes that my character, um, my persona is a, a seer and she would do fortune telling and stuff like that. And she traveled and um, she did a fortune telling in some far off kingdom for a prince and in the reading, she told that he was destined to something big in her kingdom, the kingdom of Keda. And in that kingdom, there was no ruler. It was said that once a year, people would gather and go and look for this mystic dragon. And whoever could find this mystic dragon and bring it back, bring protection, peace, and wisdom to the kingdom would be the true ruler. So the... <clears throat> So she saw that he was a big piece in that, but she didn't tell him that. She just said, come find me and see if he would take that first initiative step. And he went beyond that. He joined what they called a hunt, which was they'd read the scroll that hints to where the dragon was. And a whole bunch of people in the town or other kingdoms would always throw in their hat to be like, I'm going to find this dragon. I'm going to be ruler. And many times they wouldn't come back or they wouldn't come back in one piece. So he ended up doing this and stumbling upon her, her abode in the middle of nowhere. And they ended up deciphering the scroll and the riddle until they kind of got lost. And they found this little dragonfly. This little dragonfly was very helpful. So they went on their journey and they went against monsters and went past different puzzles. And eventually at the end, this little dragonfly that they have protected and protected them became the dragon that everyone had been looking for and they both became the ruler and of course fell in love and became king and queen and that's kind of the start of our kingdom and now that's the lore the story people come in they get to bring in their own little bit of lore with their character or their city that they can build um, so this is a great platform for people to be creative as well as bringing different fantasy elements and stuff. And then we all get to meet together and dress up in fun garb and do fun things. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. I see. So maybe because I recently came across this group and I wanted to be a part and I had, if you don't mind, I want to share or where I fit in or where my piece of lore would be in this yeah story. let me hear it so one day in a faraway land it's in the afternoon and this gentleman is walking down a path to his right there's grass ankle high to his left there's more grass and a hill and he sees like he sees a castle, but it's not a huge castle. It's not a city, but it's a moderate-sized one. 
and he walks up, he meets the people, the citizens, and he tells, he shares a story about where he's from, who he is, and he tells them that he is a wizard and that he can, he has certain powers, not overpowering, but not land destroying, but just slight powers, like this powers of foresight and the powers to advise and bless and give wisdom. And his name is O'Marlin. He was taught by another, his mentor was Merlin, which was King Arthur's advisor. And he, after he was taught by Merlin, he sets out and then he comes to a, or he finds a kingdom name. Was it Kaidia? I still can't pronounce yeah. it correctly. Kaida. 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 Yeah. And yeah, throughout his time there, he advises on war. He gives blessing before war. He. Let's hope we don't have war. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah just things like that and hopefully he lives on for a while that's an idea i can't see a character like dying unless someone's like i'm done with this persona they need to right. go away <laughs> but you never know um i guess if someone's like having like a war one could say the character just did not make it or uh, the king or queen is like, we don't like you, execute. Which I can't see us doing. Um, not really that type of group, but you know, you just never know. <laughs> right. Now, step, now taking a step back into reality again, back when you used to live in California and back when you used mm -hmm. to live in New York, comparing the foods, which place had the better... Because a lot of people always debate, like, the bigger cities, especially in New York, since New York and California, they both have the biggest cities in the United States. They always debate, like, who has the best foods. And I always, I haven't really eaten in New York, so, but I've tried California oh, wow. food, and, man, I had a, I had some dim sum one time at a Chinese mm -hmm. restaurant in California. Mm -hmm. And it was some of the best food I've had. So I was, yeah. I wonder what your take is since you lived both locations for a while. Um, I also lived in New Mexico for a year and I've spent a lot of my life in Mexico because I have family. So um, in terms of food, I haven't had a chance to eat too much in North Carolina yet. Um, places I've tried have been, some have been okay. I haven't been to a place in North Carolina where I'm like, oh, this is the best thing ever. We're coming here every single day. Hasn't happened, but I haven't tried that much. I've, um, we were in South Carolina. We found some like, decent places, um, but things have been good. Like, I feel like every city has good restaurants and good food. You just have to find it. And with such a big selection, I feel like everywhere you go, it can be like trial and error until you do. Um, New York has amazing food in certain categories. Um, they're, you know, Japanese, Chinese. Oh, so good Thai. Yes, I have not had good Thai out here yet. Um, their Mexican food, mm -mm. So like the Mexican food is really good in California, just basically anywhere. And LA, they do have a good like, you know, dim sum and stuff like that. I've had some ramen there. Um, but I grew up in California, so I wasn't really going to restaurants. <laughs> and then I ended up leaving for New York. So I haven't had the widest experience in like trying out restaurants and food because I was you know, a teenager and a kid. So and then New York I tried a lot. New York has a lot of good food. I just want to go back to New York just to eat. But <laughs> I truly believe <laughs> and if you're looking for some really good like text max anything with like green chili in it you're gonna go to new mexico they have some really good food and i even miss their food there at times too so i'm a big believer there's good food everywhere you just gotta ask the locals and you just gotta try <laughs> yeah i've tried a few restaurants in north carolina and at least in my area 
honestly, they have some pretty good food. I'm not going to lie. Like, there's a Vietnamese spot that I always go to, and they have my favorite, some of the best foods that I, you can get around here. And right up the street from there, there's like, there's a Mexican place that has some of the best Mexican food that I've had in, in a while. Wow. And I, just going off the Mexican food, have you ever tried those burrilla tacos that is kind of on a trend right now? No, I don't think I even heard of them. They're what like they? these tacos that look kind of soggy. They're dipped in this um, traditional Mexican, like if I'm not mistaken, they're soaked in this traditional Mexican broth or soup. And it just comes out to be mm-hmm. like this crunchy, soggy taco. But no, right now it's kind of getting like, hot. Nothing <laughs> should be soggy. That word soggy should not be. Like if you mean soup and a broth, yes. Um, there's wet burritos and that's when it's smothered, smothered in sauce and stuff and it can mm. be delicious. But um, I personally have gotten tacos where you get a little wet at the bottom. Like, oh, it's soggy. Who wants a soggy tortilla? So maybe it's one of those things you just don't get it until you try it. (laughs) The word soggy, I don't know. For some reason, I kind of like soggy things. Like for cereal, for instance, I wait until it gets soggy because it's too crunchy. (laughs) Oh, no, obviously I'm like, let me eat this before it gets soggy. Let me eat this before it gets soggy. Have you ever tried a California burrito from in California? Yeah. They have the fries in it, right? Yeah, yeah, the fries. I miss California burritos in general. They're going to make me so hungry. <laughs> um, I cook a lot, so I can't find it. I'll just make it myself. Um, and that's my standard. If I go to eat and I can make it better than myself, I get annoyed. <laughs> I should And a lot of, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, sorry, go on. And so the main problem I find out here so far is just things are over-salted. So they yeah. just took back from the salt it'd be like perfect i'm like oh so salty yeah have you ever tried the trick of ordering uh, salt with no fries at like mcdonald's i mean fries with no salt yeah if you ask for like large fries you ask them with no salt. i like that like if i'm gonna go mcdonald's which is not the best food for you i want it to be greasy and salty because that's why i'm going but i'm gonna sit down I went to a restaurant the other day and the food was generally good, but then I was eating the fries like, oh, they're overly salted. They're seasoned, oh. which was nice, but it was like, you know, it may that's just the worst, be a... have overly salted fries. I'd rather have fries with nothing if that's the case. Yeah. It was, it was the poutine, so it had fries and the gravy and oh, wow. the meat. Oh, I didn't know you can get it... poutine around here. Yeah. It, the, oh, it was so good. Um, new friend just took us there I was like yes and it was delicious and had egg on top and and my only drawback was one they didn't pour the gravy on because you usually get protein it comes with already gravy they gave us a side of gravy and a very small side so we actually asked for a second side um uh, which probably could have needed a third because my poutine you really want to feel that gravy you want those fries to soak it up probably at one time I'm okay with fries being a little you know soggy <laughs> is it's getting that juice of gravy or if you have meat the meat juice um but it was it was really good um and their burger was i got a burger and the burger was, was really good so um as i said you know there's good food everywhere you just gotta ask the locals you gotta try things that's true did the curds does the cheese curds have a little squeak to it i heard that if there's a squeak that means it's a good cheese curd you know what um no because it wasn't really they did like a melted cheese which i was okay with like we pulled all the fries and they had that really long stretchy gooey cheese i was Mm. like i'm okay with this um (laughs) you're definitely making me hungry (laughs) oh i wish i had that right now (laughs) going back to that california burrito i used to work at a mexican place and the menu item there was called the california burrito Mm -hmm. it had like fries in it guacamole and now looking back, I should have eaten more when I had the chance because now I'm always talking about California burritos, but I was making it for like a year. I tried it maybe uh, once or twice. Let's see, I made it like the other night. I made my own pico de gallo, my own guacamole. Uh, we had leftover steak, so I put it in like lime juice with some seasoning and made us these like delicious burritos with beans. I had beans with them. So 
Did you smother it or no smother? No, I didn't smother. I didn't really have a sauce. That's one thing is I haven't learned to make a good sauce and definitely can't find a good sauce around here just to buy off the shelves. So something I should learn to make. <laughs> Do you prefer the red? You know how they some restaurants red, smother with green, this red yep. sauce or some actually use queso too. I'm a big fan of queso. I always like green. I like that green chili. Um, ah. though there's some red sauces out there I've loved so um, I prefer green but if it's a good red sauce I'll go with the red too which is funny um, I really like the sauces there but I've never been the big sauce person or the pasta person I'm like my sauces are green or red not sometimes, red and white <laughs> sometimes I would actually like I like I don't like the noodles of the pasta but I like the sauce so sometimes I would just make the sauce and put like just some kind of meat in it or something and just eat the sauce because I, I guess I like tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I know that you said you had a master's in psychology. Mm -hmm. Would you talk about that for a little bit? Like what was your experience getting your degree and furthering oh. your degree? And yeah. So so I've always loved, um, you know, learning why we as humans do what we do. And so I went and got my bachelor's in psychology and you can't do anything with a bachelor's in psychology. And then I applied and I got accepted to Columbia University in New York and I studied developmental psychology. And while I was there, I started to really become interested in education in terms of development and stuff and also in human sexuality which was an area that as a society we're still growing and learning in but mildly and so I actually started my PhD in a human sexuality program um, emphasis on education so I've been in school for a long time um, I paused the PhD program because I wanted to get out into the real world and work and see really what I wanted to do because education is not cheap. But I've learned so much and grown so much and been able, so thankful to study things I find fascinating and help different programs. I work with the Possibility Program. It's a program in New York that has teenagers come and they kind of write their life stories and these are teenagers that are facing big problems from gun violence um, homelessness um, illness abuse and they share these powerful stories and they uh they then perform them and i work on it in the research component are the the main person in research dr dr hansen he, he was trying to figure out how this is helping. And the, the director who was working with these kids, like, it's not therapeutic. This is just, you know, maybe they're learning coping skills or something. And all the research came back and said, no, this is therapeutic. And then you can find out that, you know, you take that research and you can apply it. And I ended up working in um, an after-school nonprofit program and was able to then implement classes that I know could be beneficial for the kids. So it's just kind of fun to take things you learn and see and see it be used in our society and communities and then be part of building those programs. So it's been really rewarding. And when I had to, when I left my job, it was very heartbreaking because I was working with these kids for years. And you know, now I'm here in North Carolina and trying to figure out what my next step is. But that's kind of my journey, short version of the journey um, so far. I see. I know there isn't a one answer fix all, but after your experience um, with youth development and how you've been in the field for over 10 years, what is the one major component, one major Thing that a person, parent, loved one, peer can do to help a developing child or, yeah. 
I'm going to kind of cheat and give you two words, um, communication and respect, Hmm. especially um, always communicate. They have questions and at least when I'm growing up, a lot of it's like you do this because you're being told to, and it doesn't really teach the child anything. It doesn't show them anything except where the parent's boundary is. Um, Doesn't tell them if it's a safety issue, if it's a, you know, just, Maybe it's a factual thing for the family. It doesn't tell the kid anything. They can't learn from it. They can't grow. And they usually just feel shut off. You know, how would you feel like if anybody just says, no, you can't do this? Um, even as adults, like, no. Well, why? <laughs> do you not like me? Um, is it because you can? It's not something, you know, and working, I worked in middle school. It's a challenging time in anyone's life. And I got a lot of feedback from the kids and my peers as well. They're like, you can talk to them so well. And I would communicate and I'd sit down and be like, I hear you. You want this, but this can't happen because either I'd be like, we need you to do homework first. You need to do homework because this is what we're designed for and blah, blah, blah. I'll push back on homework. Not a big surprising surprise, but, and then like I'd talk to them and try to kind of reason with them and it teaches them communication, teaches that you care, um, you know, and just helps. So and it's a respect because everyone knows when they're being respected or not. And respect goes both ways, especially when they start being their own person. They're not going to respect you back if you're not showing them the same. So, um, you know, if it's your, your, you know, kid in your life, it's love, respect, or anything you'd give to anyone else in your life. It's not I see. Different. Yeah, I think communication and respect are very big. Do you think the parents teach them how to teach kids or even teachers? Who do you think teaches these younger minds, developing minds to communicate and to respect, or do they just learn from their surrounding environment? Okay, it's it's a really complicated answer. (laughs) Like, yes to all of it and no to um, at the same time. So a lot of it comes down to modeling. Kids will pick up what they see. Um, so they'll how the parents act in the household, how the kid's going to act with other, other people. Like sometimes we've seen kids with attitudes and then we're like, where did this come from? And then you talk to one of the parents and you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Um, sometimes you also go, where is this coming from? And you see absence of parents. But um, when it comes to communication stuff, modeling from any adult is good. Um, in terms of teaching stuff, I, it's the biggest problem of who's teaching what. Is it the school system teaching certain things? Is it the parents' responsibility? Um, you know, so people want to cross different lines, of course. So it gets complicated. And we all can know that the kids are going to model after anything they see. And one of my, when I did my PhD, I was really interested in media and how that influences um, our development. So media is a huge, huge influencer. And with this younger generation, it's so easy to get. TV channels, tons, YouTube, video games, um, music, click up buttons and everything's there. And so what happen- what's happening is these younger generations are getting this media and absorbing it, but there's nobody there to be like, yeah, you see this. This is not how it works. Let's discuss what you you see. What are you taking away? And I've even seen pushback comparisons going, why? Just the cartoon. They don't need to like, I don't need to sit down and watch them watch the cartoon and ask them what they took away from it. I'm like, I should. They really should. Um, Because maybe they see a cartoon. All of a sudden, the cartoon person is like um, kissing every person they see. And like, oh, that's what I should do. And, And an adult's mind is like, no one's going to see that and think that. But when you're a kid right. and you're putting together the world, you're putting together with whatever you see. So if you're seeing this cartoon character and they're doing that every single episode, well, maybe that's okay. Then that person's liked. Well, I want to be liked and they're kissing everybody. And so you just want to have those conversations and communication. What do you see? Oh, they kiss everybody. Should I kiss everybody? No. Why? Well, boundaries. Not everyone's going to want that. You can ask. You know, and then you can have the conversation. But they let the kids just absorb this media. They get these different um, scripts in their head of how life should work based on this, which is how in our minds work. We observe and then we bring it into our head. Like, this is how it is. And 
sometimes it's not right. <laughs> so having yeah. like a parent there observing, talking to them, um, you know, I've heard um, from my peers, my age, they're like, no one taught me how to date. I learned from watching TV shows. No one taught me what to do with, like with mainly guys. Saying, no one told me how to like court a female. I watched movies, I watched on TV and that's what I figured out. Um, and I was like, thankfully they kind of picked up on the old school, but that'd be problematic <laughs> depending on what you watch. <laughs> yeah, media media is um, pretty powerful. Like back in the yeah. days, I bet most of the people got their information at like a tavern. And then a little after that, maybe people got entertainment from newspaper. And then after that, the TV, radio, radio then TV. Mm-hmm. But nowadays you can get your information, like someone with a developing mind can get their influence on reality through t- like TV, online, video games. We're also connected nowadays that it's even hard for the parents to control. I don't know if they're in, if they have a right to control what their child is watching, but you know, like it's pretty difficult. It's like after years and years, it's getting more and more difficult for even parents yeah. to guide their children through life. And it's, you know, about communicating and being observed on what your kid's into and what they're watching. And it's, it's okay to set boundaries with kids and be like, this is what you're watching or, and they shouldn't be on their phones 24 seven. I, when I was working with kids and I would be like, no phones, they'd look like they're about to <laughs> just, die from not having their phone like you'll survive but I'm bored let's learn a new hobby and that's something I feel like a lot of the kids didn't have hobbies or didn't know how to entertain themselves and that's an issue on their own like I was the only child I learned to grow up on my own I just figured out how to entertain myself because my parents are generally busy um, and I actually look at that as an asset because I'm like okay I'm bored I'm gonna doodle I can enjoy doodling I don't need to be my phone the phone does help and I'm probably more addicted to it than I need to be but um I think as individuals we all should be able to like put the phone aside and be able to entertain ourselves and be okay with silence (laughs) and be okay with being a little bit bored sometimes do you think someone in their 30s even 40s 50s go through or are still developing an image in their mind do you think the human mind consistently continuously adapts and continuously puts this picture inside their head even after they are past their um you know past their teenage years and young adult years oh yeah so development goes beyond just being um you know from kid to 18 it's not like you're done you're not developing anymore you're actually still developing both mentally emotionally physically all those areas um you're changing and it keeps going there's actually adulthood now has been pushed out there's actually a new segment called emerging adulthood and that's roughly from 21-ish to about 30. And that's because of our economy and our culture, we have more people going off to school and we have more people not being able to like get that house anymore and settle down on their own. They're coming back home because, um, you know, you can't just walk out of high school anymore, get a job that can give you a house and support a family. So you have this area of people trying to find themselves a little bit more and not necessarily being adult. And the, there's actually a criteria what's considered adult and that's, having a family, having your job, having a house, independence, you know, and some, and then people are just checking those boxes off a little later in life. And there's nothing wrong with it. Completely normal and, and good just putting that out there. But compared to like a couple generations ago where adulthood really was like teenager adulthood, we now have that new age, um, new developmental stage in there. And there's stages like every 10 years is a different stage but I was always so intrigued with that new stage, but we're living longer and our society is changing. Definitely. Hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. The human mind, it's, it must be so strange for, because my, because I was actually a single child myself and looking at my mom, my mom grew, raised me and, Hmm. 
even I even ask my mom sometimes, like, aren't you amazed that because back in the days, in your days when you were growing up, there was only like black and white TV, but now like you can watch back in the days, you'd have to wait until a certain time when a movie comes on. And now you can just put your phone up, touch the screen, interact with the screen, and you can turn on any movie or video or entertainment you want. And I always ask her, is it strange how the world is developing? And she says, yeah, she's, she never thought that a computer would exist. She never thought that that would turn into a phone and that you can actually touch your phone and interact with it. And even to me, even to me, like I'm, I'm only 27, but even to me, like back in the days when I was growing up, I had a flip phone and you couldn't really access the internet, but now you can be inside your car somewhere far away and you can still watch YouTube videos and connect with the other side of the world. And yeah, well, I always the way you're describing it, you're, you're describing like the tech feature people write in like old sci-fi books. I feel like further than the future they're talking about, we have this thing that I can touch <laughs> and talk to anyone across the world. I can see their face and I can see but their city is, instantly. Yeah, it's exactly what we have. It's like, we're in the future. Like people, this is, this is the future. I know we don't have flying cars yet. And I hope we never do because I don't trust people driving on the road, let alone driving like, over my house. <laughs> I, think we're people, I think we're going to skip that. I skipped that um, section, I think. I think that's we're no, not but... gonna drive anymore like in the future like even after this virus like people started working from home and people started realizing a brick and mortar facility to work eight hours wasn't really efficient you can do yeah, everything like, at home and like I watch a lot of like those shows that are like let me look at your business model and they're like you know the old stores they don't create enough revenue as much as you have a like online commerce store so you don't really need those stores as much. Um, but I love shopping physically. I love looking at things and touching them. Yeah, it's definitely but... a different experience. I miss the fact that I missed how if you shop online, you can't really try on the clothes because all sizes and it's all different. It's all different. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I always hate trying clothes. I'm like, yay, I can try and clothes at home and send them back. And some of the things aren't terrible. Like Amazon, their return policy is super simple. So I'm not, yeah. not hating it. Some places like, you have to pay for shipping on the way back. I'm like, oh, no, thank you. Um, but yeah, I could see us definitely changing the way we commute, um, whether it's more... I don't know if we'll ever get to that instantaneous just warp or if we'll have like a, you know, you just call a car and it drives for you or it's on a track or something. I'm curious. Have you ever um, seen those videos of Tesla owners where they, they're they in like New York and then they type in an address that's in Florida and on the, G, on the map, on the GPS inside the Tesla, it'll show you every stop you'll have to go to to charge your car. And then yeah. it'll tell you, it'll just, it'll drive there on auto. That's impressive. Very impressive. Yeah, I think they're doing great things. I think we may just skip over the whole aspect of flying in the air with our own vehicles and I'm I just really don't excited. think that's practical. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I like, yeah. I mean, think of the people who like run the gas on the road. Think of a car running out of gas that's flying above yeah. things. There must they must have like an idea where they're going to use solar panels or something where uh, energy is like. Yeah, there has to be something. I just don't trust it. Like the, the car accidents are bad enough. Car accidents in the sky, so I feel like they'll skip it. It's just not, I think, yeah. a valid idea. Um, maybe they'll come in a hybrid plane thing where you know kind of like a bus that's maybe more controlled that makes a little bit more sense but um hey, we I'm might not, even I'm just don't like yeah no uh we might just start teleporting they might just create portals and it might so, go there 
years ago, like I was a little kid, I read this article saying they have to like, they just break down your, you know, molecules and rebuild you on the other side. And so technically you're kind of not the same person you were when you left. They basically have to kind of destroy you to rebuild you. Would you be brave enough to try that? <laughs> I wouldn't be. Um, I'd be like, no, thank you. Maybe after they succeed and they say it's foolproof, failproof, but I kind of... I love myself. I love who I am. And I don't want to lose any version of what I have through, through something that isn't proven to work. Well, of course you would want to try until it's proven, but that was the philosophy. The interesting, (laughs) but the thing is though, like, you know, talk about, you know, everything being remade. They say that you change um, cells or every seven years you're like differently yeah. made um made up i can tell the difference <laughs> but uh they say it's completely you know every seven years it's like different compared to what it was so interesting thing to think about <laughs> like when philosophy and technology and psychology they all kind of merge yeah life is fascinating and it's getting more interesting as the years go by and i really enjoy life and i hope that yeah, we keep evolving into this species where we're always inspired and innovative. And yeah, yeah, I think that was a great conversation, a great podcast. And I hope to see you again on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. It was fun. Definitely fun. fun. And do you have anything going on right now that you want to say or mention again um if you're in the north carolina area we're on um right now we just have meetup but i run geeks united um if you want to listen in new york like i was part of geeks united (laughs) we had a big following we had about like 600 700 people at one point um and then we have one in north carolina and we have our medieval fantasy group that's also a north carolina triad area um both groups or North Carolina triad people that we'd love people from around the world around the country it's just uh in-person type of group so um, if you're out there you're like yes I'm in the area please join us um that's about all I have to promote at the moment (laughs) all right sweet all right then I hope everyone enjoyed and Kat thank you so much for spending time with me and I hope to see you soon yeah we'll talk soon okay have a good day you too okay I see you over there sitting in your chair I want to say hello to you but I'm too scared We could be
touch lips in flight.